the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. Well, my special guest today is a longtime friend, Pastor Dan Lloyd with Cascadia Church down in the South End in Federal Way. Federal Way. Federal Way. Dan, welcome to Heart of the City. Thanks, Chuck. Great to be here. Great to see you again. Yeah, well, you've had a program on uh, The Word Seattle uh, off and on through the years and a little hiatus for a while, but... uh, you're actually starting a new work in Federal Way. We did. We planted uh, in October, just a couple of months ago. So yeah. here we go. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks, Chuck. Cascadia. So, Cascadia Church. So you're meeting at a home right now. Yes. Tell me about that. Okay, well, we're meeting at, uh, well, there's, that is just such a broad spectrum. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're meeting in the home of a friend. I've known uh, the guy, Randy, for 40 years. We've been lifelong friends. And he's been a uh, he's a he's a believer, of course. And uh, we were meeting together in a Bible study over the summer in his home in the afternoons. And as that group began to grow, uh, people were saying, "Let's let's shift over to a Sunday morning." They knew a lot of people that were not attending churches on Sunday mornings, and so we decided to shift over there. And that group grew even more. Mm-hmm. And we thought, you know what, it looks like maybe God is wanting us to be planting a church here in the, the Federalized South Puget Sound area. Yeah, uh, Joanne and I, my wife and I, were in ministry transition, an unexpected uh, situation in our life, in our ministry. And we wanted to be in motion. We wanted to know, okay, God, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to serve you? And we looked in a lot of places. We looked around Washington State. We looked... Uh, you know, in Alaska and Arizona and other states, just saying, God, is this where you want us to be? Because we'll go anywhere. We looked at, uh, we've got friends who serve on foreign soil. We looked at possibility of moving to another country, if that's what God would want us to do. And uh, none of those doors opened. But what kept happening, Chuck, was that we would hear from people. Uh, I would be hearing from Christians and non-Christians alike in the Puget Sound area, uh, who who call me their pastor, and I am their pastor. Even people who are who are non Christians who don't mm. go to church say, mm-hmm. you know, Dan, you're my pastor. I get a you know opportunity to do a funeral or uh, opportunity to do a hospital visit or some sort of crisis intervention, uh, whatever it might be. And God just kept on confirming time and time again, you know, Dan, you've been here for fifty years. You've been building ministry networks for forty years, mm-hmm. and this is where this is where I want you to be serving. And so what the the surprise for us is that it's in a completely different way, something we didn't expect. Right. And so we're still in motion. We're still saying, God, what's the next step? What do you want us to do? How do you want us to do that? Yeah. So we've taken all the steps we need to do with the state and with the federal government to become nonprofit incorporated, 501c3, got the bank account going and all those kind of things that are <laughs> right. required. And right now we've been meeting in a home for a couple of months, uh, getting crowded. 
So we just had a we we do a little thing called Flock Talk. We we go on live Facebook for about twenty minutes. We take a little break, and then we do some in-house ministry and time together. Uh, we call it Flock Talk, and we we spent uh, a good portion of our time talking about praying about, dreaming about a facility where we can meet on Sunday morning that's going to accommodate growth because we mm. know that we're going to grow. Mm-hmm. We just need a space. Where, where it's going to grow. Yeah. So that's where we're at. Well, yeah. I, I have uh, lots of friends that I see on Facebook on Sunday mornings um, and see their church services from all over the U.S., yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, so I see the live services going on, and I see Cascadia Great. Uh, in Thanks, there Chuck. right as well. Yeah. So I, I see you yeah. ch- uh, talking away there on, on Facebook streaming, Yeah, which is an amazing thing to see, you know. And, yeah. and the gospel is getting out in some really unique ways, isn't it? it? It really is, Chuck. You know, we talked a little bit before we started here uh, today that uh, just about how the, the world is changing digitally, electronically, and so forth. And... I have unbelieving friends that are watching mm-hmm. these church services. I have friends from different countries watching the services and people that we don't know, you know, because you can, you can see those numbers and you can right. see those kind of things. And it's just been amazing and it's just been humbling to see just the power of being able to get out there digitally and you just you, – and who knows what God's going to use. Exactly. How he's going to use it, what he's going to do. So. Well, Heart of the City, we like to sh- have pastors share their, their personal stories. So yeah. I, I ask, ask you to come in, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Cascadia. And, uh, but let's go back. Good. Yeah. Good. Did you grow up in this area? I did. I was born in Fairbanks, Alaska, and we moved here ultimately, eventually, to the Seattle-Tacoma area. My mother was hired to do the Romper Room television show. In Tacoma, mm, way back when, before Sesame Street. And she was Miss... Margaret. Miss Margaret. Miss Margaret. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, Miss Margaret. And so, yeah, grew up here in the area, grew up going to church. And uh, when I was a senior in high school, I heard that Billy Graham was coming to town. And his crusade was going to be held at the Kingdom. First event ever to be held in the Kingdom. Free admission. And so I thought, you know what? I've always respected and admired Billy Graham. I want to go hear this guy. I want to see what the kingdom's going to look like. I want to get in without paying admission. <laughs> you know, those kind of things. Yeah. You know? And uh, I went. Went with my sister, Allison. And uh, I don't remember what he preached on. I don't remember who's saying or anything like that. But at the end of the crusade, at the end of the, the evening, as Billy Graham does with the altar call and so mm-hmm. forth, I told my sister, I'm going to go down and check out the field. I just want to get a different angle on the stadium there. And then legitimately, Chuck, that's the only reason I went down there. Interesting. So I went down under the field, and I was back in a corner just standing there looking just by myself, just looking at some, some you know, the, the view. Right. Because I thought, I'm never going to be in this field. Right. I was right. once. I did a halftime show for the Seahawks and the Chargers one time, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. Didn't pay admission for that either, but that's <laughs> only a few times. So I'm standing there. Uh, just by myself. And then a, a man walked up next to me and started talking to me about spiritual things. And he was he was very skilled, very loving, very compassionate. And we started talking about my relationship with Christ and whether or not I knew that I was going to go to heaven. And this man's name is Rock Bottomley. No way. Rock Bottomley. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's just a little sidebar. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we see in the movie Top Gun uh-huh. where uh, Tom Cruise flips his... His plane overtakes the photo. It was Rock's dad who actually did that. Wow. He was the guy who really did that, and they used that in the film. Uh huh. So Rock's dad was a, you know, hotshot pilot. Hotshot pilot. Right. Yeah. And so uh, 
Rock and I talked about several things and wanted to know how I knew for sure that I had eternal life. And I explained it was my relationship with the church because I grew up going to church. Right. And then Rock said, you know, this is a <laughs> pun intended, I guess. The question that rocked my world was, he said, well, if going to church makes you a Christian, then why did Jesus die on the cross? Hmm. And I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> he's got my attention now. Right. So he opened up the little gospel tract, read that to me, and everything made sense. I, I grew up, Chuck, knowing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. Huh. I knew that. But I was never told what to do about it. Right. That I needed to turn to him alone, turn away from my sin and turn toward him alone. I was relying on my relationship with the church to get me into heaven mm-hmm. rather than my relationship with Christ. So he explained that. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. He said, would you be willing to read this prayer in the back of this booklet. And he said, just take a look at it first. So I glanced it and I, everything on there I believed. Yeah, sure. So he said, why don't you pray that out loud? And I said, okay. So I said, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. And then I just, hmm. I just collapsed. Wow. So first time I'd gone straight to God with my sin instead of through, uh-huh. you know, a priest. And the spirit of God <laughs> said, you know, Dan, you're right. You're wow. a sinner. You need help. And I, I remember I just I, I, I fell down on my knees and Rock went down there with me, put his arm around me, helped me gain my composure. And we walked through the rest of that prayer together. And I knew huh. my world had changed. I knew that I was a different person. And so uh, <clears throat> Rock and I have stayed in touch just a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, on the way home from the event that night, I'm driving home with my sister Allison. And she says, so what's going on? She knew that something was a little bit different. Um, my girlfriend at the time recognized right away that something mm-hmm. was different. She didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, she eventually dumped me because of my relationship with Christ. But then, mm. as I tell people, I upgraded. Yeah. In fact, uh, Leanne and I were at the Seattle Center on the way to see a Doobie Brothers concert back in the 70s. Uh-huh. We're walking across the lawn, and there's a band, there's a Christian band playing Christian music, and they wanted to witness to us. And I told them, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. And, you know, they loved that. She didn't like that so much. Mm-hmm. We got into the concert, and the first thing the Doobie Brothers played was, Jesus is just all right with me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Huh. So that's why I came to Christ, Billy Graham Crusade. Wow. And just last April, I was able to go to the Billy Graham Library there in North Carolina and mm-hmm. see where he was laid to rest. It was just after he passed. And uh, to see, um, you know, a large photograph of the Seattle Crusade there in it's, the library. So that would have been 76. 76. Yeah, 1976. So that was the first. So that was a first event before the Seahawks even played. Very first event or the, in the kingdom. Yeah, and I don't think that they've ever broken the attendance record from the Crusade. Interesting. I think that's the largest crowd they've ever had in the kingdom. Yeah, yeah. Pretty amazing. So you receive the Lord. Your girlfriend yeah. dumps you. Yeah. You're, so what happens next? Uh, we started attending a Bible teaching church, uh, which is now Cornerstone Church in Kent. Pastor mm-hmm. there, John Lee, is a good friend. We get together often. We're going to have lunch in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, we started attending the church, and uh, I started getting involved in you know, receiving some Bible teaching, took uh, a Moody Bible Correspondence course, First Steps in the Christian Faith, mm-hmm. kind of got a little bit of foundation, laid there, started singing in the choir. And uh, the youth pastor started mentoring me, uh, gave me an opportunity to start doing some teaching, which I've discovered is my spiritual gift. It's the primary gift that God's given me is teaching. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to start developing my skills and developing that gift at that point. Began to see a need for 
some counseling provided for church members uh, and started looking at Bible colleges where I could go into the field of, get trained to go into the field of counseling. That's the direction I thought that God was going to lead me. So uh, met Joanne there at the church. We got married. I started attending Biola University, got my undergrad in Christian education with an emphasis in counseling. Mm-hmm. And then Talbot School of Theology just opened up their Master of Arts program in marriage and family ministries, and that was just a natural fit for me. So a good blend of Bible teaching and Christian education and counseling. So you were in Southern California for a while. Six years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joanne was down there for 11 Mm-hmm. And then uh, graduated from seminary, and there was an opening here back up in the Pacific Northwest in Auburn. So we came on staff at a church in Auburn for a couple yeah. of years. And that wasn't really too good of a fit for us. Mm-hmm. So resigned from that ministry, took about a year to to pray about and look at, you know, God, what do you want us to do? And just a number of people encouraged me to plant. And another man that, was from, that had planted churches in Idaho and Montana came along my side and— uh, we planted SeaTac Bible Church, mm-hmm. and we transitioned the name over to West Hill Church, and I, I spent the last 30 years yeah. there at West Hill Church. Yeah, and that's where I, I knew you from. One of the things Correct. that, that uh, I know that you've done a lot of, and you referred to it a little bit earlier, is is uh, doing funerals. Yes. That's been a huge ministry for you, hasn't it? Just it's share a little been, bit about it's that. Unbelievable. I've done more than 1,100 now, most of them for unbelieving families. Uh, I've built a strong relationship with funeral homes in the area, and it started when I was in that interim period between the first church in Auburn there and planting SeaTac Bible Church. I ran into the funeral director at a bank, and I said, if you need help, you know, give me a call. And he he gave me a shot, and he, he liked what I was doing and uh, eventually wrote a book leading today's funerals mm-hmm. and dedicated it to Gary and to his staff there at Price Halton Funeral Home. And uh, over the years, we we discovered that when I was at West Hill Church, one in eight people who were at were at West Hill Church at the time were there because of funerals that I had done. Mm. So I had an, an, you know, and I still do. I, I did thirty or forty this year, mostly for unbelievers. Mm-hmm. So I've had the chance to share the gospel with tens of thousands of people mm-hmm. in this community. I mean, eleven hundred funerals. You know, you get, you know, twenty. Minimum, you know, I've I've done services for with, with one person in attendance, and I've done some with five or six hundred in attendance. So right. it varies, but anyway, just a very unique opportunity to bring the gospel to unbelieving people when they're at a very critical, very critical moment. Well, there's life. yeah, because they're thinking about life and death issues, aren't they? I mean, they that's smack dab. Uh, the casket's sitting right in front of them, or the urn is yeah. sitting right in front of them, so yeah. it's smack dab in their face. So there's this this reality of life. There is, and people are thinking about the deceased, but I want them to think about themselves. Mm-hmm. You know. Ecclesiastes 7 2 says it's better to go to a funeral than to a party because at a funeral you think about death. Mm-hmm. At a party you don't think about anything. Right. So funerals are ripe opportunities for evangelism and ministry follow up, and we've seen a lot of people come to Christ yeah. as a result. And the thing that I've, I've, I've been to one of your seminars that you've done for pastors talking about leading a funeral, and mm-hmm. the thing that I appreciate uh, of some of the things that you've said, and I'm sure you talk about in your book, is there's a sensitivity to the needs of the family whether they're believers or not, there's, uh, you know, talk, talk to me a little bit more about that. Well, you know, Joe Aldrich, who used to be down at Multnomah, um, 
college used to say that nobody knows how much you care until they care how much. And nobody knows how much you. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. You're, you're nodding and prodding me and encouraging <laughs> me. You're I, doing well. I, I, yeah. I'd get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. Just to set aside, take the time to show compassion. And I, you know, I tell people if you want to know if you were, you know, where Jesus would be today, look for people who were hurting. Mm-hmm. That's where he would go. There, there's a film that I haven't seen for a long time. It's called The Judas Project, and it's the ministry of Jesus in Atlantic City in modern times. Kind of a crazy film. Hmm. But one of the scenes that just moves me is he's he's walking home after a long day of ministry. It's raining and it's dark, and he walks past this dark owl, and he catches out of the corner of his eye. There's a girl sitting in the gutter by herself, kind of in a fetal position. And it, it pans back to Christ, and you know he's he's debating whether or not he should just go home. And he looks up, and he sighs, and he walked over, and he sat down in the gutter and put his arm around that girl. Mm. I thought, that's Jesus. Yeah. That's what he does. And that's what we do, too, when there's an unexpected or even an expected death. People need someone to lean on. They need some sort, some sense of hope. And, um, and when, when people hear that there is hope, boy, I tell you what, they, they grab on to that. And so I've got an extensive network of now friends uh, because of the funerals that I've done. That spins over into doing weddings for families. And you know, I'll mm-hmm. see people at a gas station or a bank or at the grocery store. You know, They call me up, Pastor Dan, and, hey, where are you going to church? Well, I say, okay, come on. <laughs> you know, so, right. Uh, it, it helps to build my credibility as a minister in the community yeah. and and it's one of the reasons God wants us to stay here, and I, I thank God for it. It's yeah. just been very unique. Not anything I looked for yeah. or anticipated. He, he gave that to me. Yeah, yeah. So I want to be a good steward of that. Well, tell me a little bit more about Cascadia. We talked, we spoke yeah. about it a little bit earlier, but um, why the name Cascadia? Okay, great question. I was hoping you were going to ask that. Yeah. I love the name. Yeah. Cascadia. Uh, if you Google, or my son is listening probably, if you bing the word Cascadia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you bing it. <laughs> yeah, you bing it. Uh, you'll see a lot of things. Uh, some of it is going to make you uncomfortable. But uh, just because of there's just what is associated with the idea of Cascadia. But geographically, Cascadia is a word that people are beginning to use now more and more instead of Pacific Northwest. Hmm. Cascadia is the new word. And it it encompasses geographically Portland, Seattle, and Vancouver, British Columbia. And even depends on who you talk to, what you look at, it spreads up into Alaska a little bit and even down into Northern California. But it's a big geographic region. And so... Does that have to do with like the geo- geological plates of Cascadia or the, the Cascade Mountain Range? There's Cascadia yeah. Plate, I right. believe. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's a geographic name. The this this region uh-huh. here. And so we we you know that's one of the one of the challenges I guess of starting a new ministry. What are you going to call this? Thing? Yeah. And we looked and looked and looked and uh, I, I ran across a website called Cascadia and Christ put out by Fuller Seminary, just doing demographic research, spiritual research on the Pacific Northwest and the spiritual needs. Fascinating website. Huh. So I started looking around. Who else has got the name Cascadia Church? And there's one down in Oregon, and that's about it. Yeah. So I looked. Is CascadiaChurch.org available? <laughs> yes. Yes. I grabbed it. And yeah. my son did the, the, graphic, the graphics for the website. And, uh, and so there we go, Cascadia Church. Yeah. 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 And so... Uh, You've pioneered a church before, I yeah. mean, uh, years ago. So 
uh, having been in uh, involved in an organized church for a long time, was there a debate in your own mind as far as whether you really wanted to? Yeah. Go. I mean, yeah. you're not a young man. I mean, yeah. you're you're young. You're still young. Yeah. You're in I mean, your sixties. Younger than you, Chuck. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but but uh, you know, there's a certain energy that you yeah. got to have yeah. to to think in terms yeah. of of being a part of a of a growth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm motivated like by need. I see needs, and I'm motivated, and I'll give it 100%, which is what I'm doing. Um, I, I know we only have just a couple of minutes left, but some of the things that are unique about this area that motivates me to, to want to bring Christ to Cascadia is just Seattle itself. You know, we were the first to, to pass gay marriage, hmm. legalize marijuana. We've got things like, you know, Amazon and Starbucks and Microsoft and, and all these businesses and ideas that are changing the world and the world wants to be like seattle hmm. but we want seattle to be like christ mm-hmm. there's a massive massive challenge there for us and so uh learning from my mistakes uh at the previous church i'm enrolled in the doctor of ministry program in strategic leadership at corbin university that's been my lifeline mm-hmm. and just learning a lot about leadership and Okay, we get an opportunity. We've got a clean slate. We can build a fresh foundation. What's this going to look like? And yeah. So here we go. We're yeah. doing that. Yeah. So what does uh, what does uh, 2019, what is the Lord sh- sharing with you about 2019? Great, great, good. One thing is to prepare for 2020. <laughs> there okay, you go. Prepare for the next year. This year we're, we need to build a solid foundation. You know, there's a lot of people who are eager to get things going. But I have to kind of pull back on the reins a little bit. Let's first of all talk about why we're doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to talk about who's best suited to lead. And then we want to talk about how we wanted to do ministry. And then we're going to start talking about what we're going to do. So all, all of 2019 is about establishing a foundation, getting a permanent place or a semi-permanent place where we can meet on Sunday mornings for worship, uh, bringing in a worship team, developing a worship team and a leadership team. So it's a lot of the foundational things that need to be put into place. Yeah. And uh, my plate's full. You know, I've turned down <laughs> opportunities for international ministry already uh-huh. that I just need to stay focused on and building the foundation here for Cascadia Church. Yeah. Well, we've got two minutes left. And so it's never a mistake for me to offer the microphone to a pastor and say, what would you what would you like to share from your heart in the in the final two minutes yeah. as far as how the Lord is leading you and and invite them to come to your fellowship. Yeah, we'd love to have you come visit. Um, you know, Rick Warren said a few years ago that 500 years ago we had a Reformation to help us check what we believe. But there's a new Reformation that's needed, and that's to check how we behave. And so we know what the Bible says. We get great Bible teaching here at KGW and, uh, and so forth. Uh, but what are we going to do with what we we know. So right now, you know, we're focusing on the words of Jesus. That's our, our series right now. But not just for the content, but for the application mm. and to be putting into practice. That's my job as a pastor, teacher, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I don't do the ministry. I do the training so people will do the ministry. And that's got to happen around the Northwest. Uh, you know, you've heard the phrase, sometimes we're the only Jesus people see. We're only, we're only Bible. Some people read. Mm-hmm. People, when they see us, they should see Christ. And yeah. that's that's... That has to be what we're about. That has to be what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Not easy, not popular. It's going to be expensive. It's going to be painful, but it's totally worth it. Yeah. It is for sure worth it. 
Well, you've been listening to Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, and uh, with me today has been uh, Pastor Dan Lloyd. And uh, if someone wants to reach out to you, Dan, how can they do that? They can go, probably the simplest way is to go to CascadiaChurch.org, CascadiaChurch.org. We just have a temporary page right up there right now, but you can click. There's a link there to go to my personal website, PastorDanLloyd.com, or another link you can send me an email, and you can learn as much as you can or care to learn about me and a little bit about Cascadia Church. And uh, keep checking because we'll have that, that site up uh, there. But that's super easy to get. Yeah. I welcome anybody to contact me. And they can find you, too, also on Facebook. On Facebook. And, and see uh, see your service. See a little bit of uh the talk as well. So, well, thanks for joining me today. Lord bless. You've been listening to this 820 AM, the word special heart of the city. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, the word, call Chuck Olmstead, 206-269-6216, or go to thewordseattle.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.